much about prion diseases remains unknown. The diseases are characterized by certain misshapen protein molecules that appear in brain tissue. Normal forms of these prion protein molecules reside on the surface of many types of cells, including brain cells. But scientists do not understand what normal prion protein does. On the other hand, scientists believe that abnormal prion protein, which clumps together and accumulates in brain tissue, is the likely cause of the brain damage that occurs in prion diseases. Scientists do not have a good understanding of what causes the normal prion protein to take on the misshapen abnormal form. Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. Some weeks we break down one larger mystery between the two of us. Other weeks we break down two smaller mysteries on a theme and teach each other about them based on our own independent research. If you want to support the show, find us on social media at Unknowable Podcast, and look for us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. Heck yeah. Yeah. So this week... We're talking about prion diseases. Yeah. Super. We've actually never done anything medical before. Right. Which makes sense because the medical field in general is not, I mean, there is a good amount of mystery, I guess, but right. generally it's not rife with unknowables. Right. But, but prion, prion diseases are both super scary to think about, like having a prion disease, yep. and also like really mysterious in that we kind of understand like what it does to humans, but we don't understand why or how. Exactly. It's kind of fucked up. Yeah, it's super fucked up. There's several diseases that fit under the category of prion diseases yeah. that are all just, from what I read, and this is going to like the millionth time I'm going to say this, and this will not be the last, <laughs> yes. but I'm not a scientist. I am not a doctor. Or a doctor. Right. Crazy enough. I host a podcast. I'm surprisingly not a doctor you're, you're on the You're also side. a hypochondriac, so you are I, yeah. more qualified to be a doctor than I am. Yeah, I already knew quite a bit about these diseases <laughs> before doing this because I've read about them because yeah. they're terrifying. Terrifying and interesting. Yeah, they are really interesting. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, from what I read, it seems like the prion diseases that exist are all pretty similar yeah. in the sense of, like, how they manifest and what they do, but they have some slight differences, but they essentially gave them different names based on they're yeah. sort of like main pathology. Yeah. So let's talk about what prion diseases are in general before we dive into our specifics. Yes. So <laughs> we <laughs> our, our our understanding of the actual mechanism mm. of what happens here isn't super strong. It's um, pr- pretty basic. Pretty basic. But I also get the impression that like fucking medical doctors and people who study this for a living also don't have a, a super strong understanding of what's going on. So mm. that makes me feel a little bit better. A little bit better. We're basically doctors then. Yeah. We're Pretty much. Fucking A. Like more or less. Do no harm. Hippocratic oath, you know? Yeah, I know all that shit. I watch Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Scrubs. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> Scrubs fine. is a good reference. I'm prepared. Scrubs, yeah. Um, need to watch that again. So, basically, in your brain, there are proteins yeah. that are called prions. Yeah. So, some function of these prions is that they need to fold in some way, shape, or form. Mm. Not quite sure why or how yeah, that needs to happen. Didn't know anything in my body folded. Right. So I, I think it's maybe like your chromosomes or something. Or sure. I think it's like the the uh, the X-shaped 
So it must be chromosomes. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing a diagram of an X-shaped chromosome and talking about how that, like, kind of folds in on itself. Really? And then, like, re-replicates, almost like how you'd knead dough. Hmm. You'd, like, kind of fold it in on itself and then, like, stretch it out. Interesting. I think. I don't know. Whatever. Some, I saw so, some crazy pictures. Yeah. Well, they weren't pictures, but they were, like, illustrations. Yeah. And I remember, like, the original prion looking kind of squiggly yeah. on its own. And I was like, huh, okay. For some reason, I was just picturing it being, like, like a straight line. Right. Which is, way, that's, again, like, how basic my brain is <laughs> when it comes. I'm just like, oh, it's just, like, a little fucking stick Perfectly in there. straight line. Yeah. yeah. But it was, like, already kind of wiggly looking. And I was like, oh. And then it showed, like, five or six different ways that it can, like, misfold. Yeah. And it, it, they all just looked like you just closed your eyes and, like, drew a shape. <laughs> With a pen, like you just didn't know what you were doing, and you were Your just body's like, "Whoops!" Like, oh fuck! Yeah. So they they were not folding in the way that I thought. Like I was just picturing like a symmetrical fold, mm-hmm. and they all seemed like it was more like just getting twisted up. Yeah. So it was very jarring because I was like, "That's not what I expected." Right. And yeah, it. I mean, it looked like a kid had done this. Like right. some scientist is like, "This is how prions fold," and I was like, "Okay." Your body's just like fucking like fucking around basically yeah like I think this is how you fold things yeah know. like it just kind of forgot for a second it was just like ah oh, is that right like trying to fold a shirt that you unfolded in a store <laughs> like shit exactly like, this whole place is on that's fire now that's a great analogy I yeah think. I think I feel like that's basically <laughs> that's what prion disease is prion disease is your brain unfolded a shirt to see yeah. if it would fit and then tried to refold it again and yeah. you go by and it's like nicely folded shirts and then there's just one that's all just like mangled exactly and then Somebody else sees that mangled shirt and they're like, oh, I'm going to pick up. And then they're like, oh, fuck. And all of us are just having that social anxiety that you're like in the gap and you already don't belong in there. And then like a salesperson's watching you and you think they're going to ask you something and you're just trying to like fold the shirt and put it away before they get to you. And that's, yeah. All of a sudden you have five misfolded shirts. And then somebody else looks and says like, oh, this must be how you fold the shirts. And then all of a sudden a bunch of your shirts are folded that way. Exactly. That's actually a great analogy. It's a great analogy. So like think about that, but like in your brain. Yeah. And so like. These misfolded proteins or misfolded shirts don't perform the function that they're supposed to form. Mm. So they essentially just become like dead, dead material in your brain. And so as these misfolded proteins accumulate in certain parts of your brain, they form like a cluster, like a ball of protein, which expands and expands. And since it's like a dead space, it basically takes up like healthy brain tissue Mm. and so the like the 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 medical term for like these prion diseases um it's like spongiform encephalopathy yeah which so like spongiform like it literally like turns your brain into a sponge like Mm. it has like holes within your brain like terrible so your brain like can't function the way that it should because it's turned into a sponge yeah so that's like the actual like physical part of it that causes like the brain damage Mm. and so that's a really terrifying thing to think about like knowing that your brain like when you look at a when you look at like um a a cat scan or whatever of people who have um prion diseases it literally you just see all these like white dots throughout their brain yeah and that's just like essentially like a negative hardened void it's terrible in their brain right it's terrifying so you're yeah it's a degenerative disease and it seems like like, when it starts, when the proteins start to misfold, I don't even know if you even start feeling symptoms at that point. I think it has to get to a certain point, but it will. Yeah. I don't think it's possible that they will start to misfold and stop. They're going to just keep going. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. And that's part of why a lot of prion diseases have very long incubation periods. Mm-hmm. Where the incubation period, if you don't know, is essentially the time it takes from the first infection 
or the first start of the disease to when you start to feel symptoms. Yeah. So a lot of, you know, something like a cold or the flu has a very short incubation period, but right. something like a prion disease could take years and years to right. manifest, um, which is scary, too, that you could potentially be infected, which prion diseases aren't super commonly transmitted. No, it's it's basically like brain tissue to brain tissue to yeah. transmit it. Or it's you have to difficult. Like eat the brain of something that has a prion disease. Yeah. So, which we'll talk about yeah, that. We'll, we'll get there. We will get there. So it's not, I guess you can be comforted in a sense that it's not really like you're going to, you're not going to be in line next to somebody at the store and catch a prion disease from them. Right. But the scarier part about, like, you think that's comforting until you realize, like, oh, you're just way more likely just to get it for no fucking reason at all. Right. It's just like. Um, Terrible. It's called sporadic. Yeah. Like, it's like a sporadic incubation of a prion disease. It's horrifying. Which is terrible. Yeah, yeah. Which is exactly why I was reading about them because I was just like, oh, good. There's a crazy disease out there that has no risk factors. Again, aside from eating brain tissue. Right. Or being exposed to it. But really no other risk factors. No real basis in like hereditary. You're not going to like, oh, my dad had a prion disease. I'm mm. going to get one. It's more likely that you're just going to get it. Yeah. Which I have to think is like a little bit rare in the medical field that there's something that would just spontaneously right. come up. Like and most it's not things. something you're born with. It's not like right. something inherent in your DNA. It's just like your your brain proteins just all of a sudden start misfolding. Yeah. And it just medical science doesn't understand why. No. Like it's why unknowable. does this happen? It is unknowable. Unknowable up until now. This is at right. least one of the cool I mean, I guess any unknowable topic could be proven down the line. But right. this one probably is more likely to be proven down the line. Right. Because they're actively studying it and all that stuff. So, yeah. That's interesting. So, we each have a different prion disease. Yes. I'm going to talk about Kuru. Kuru. Which is super interesting. Super interesting. Um, so, again, disease of the nervous system, infectious protein, prions. Yeah. Um, so, Kuru was a disease that basically was primarily found, or maybe almost exclusively found, in the among the four people of Papua New Guinea. Okay. Um, this tribe practice a form of cannibalism. So nice. don't, just don't do that. Just right. don't eat people. I get that this was part of their thing. Yep. So whatever, but just in general, just there's don't a, eat people. There's actually a theory that part of the reason that cannibalism is such a taboo in Western culture, or actually just in all cultures in general, basically arose because there's so many diseases that can be passed through eating the flesh of humans yeah. that it became like just a social taboo because of all of the medical problems that are associated with it. Yeah. There's no, you couldn't pay me enough money to eat a person. No. I guess That's... maybe if I was in like a severe like survival situation, oh, but yeah. even then I don't know what you have inside of you. Right. I don't. I just think that. of it as like, look at what humans eat and do you want to like eat that? No, no, I don't. And yeah, I don't know what, what you've got going on. And like the thing is that, with somebody with a prion disease, like, you wouldn't necessarily know that they even had it happening. So it's not like you could avoid, like, ooh, I'm not going to eat those people with prion diseases. Right. Because you wouldn't know. So, yeah, they practiced a form of cannibalism. They ate the dead as part of a funeral ritual. So it was tradition to cook and eat the deceased, which was thought to help free the spirit of the dead. And as a bonus, little gross fact here, they would often even bury the corpses for a few days so they could eat the maggots as a side dish. Wow. Yeah. You thought like it couldn't get worse. Wow. Than cooking up a dead person. That's. Who died for who knows what reason. Wow. Yeah. And then they would bury them and then get some maggots and then like, there you go. You get a whole meal. I mean, like, I guess I don't want to like, like culture shame somebody. I know. But holy I know. shit. I know. It's is... intense. 
wild. It's wild to think that within this particular tribe, this was like such a normal thing. Right. It's just like, yeah, this is just what we do. Obviously not the only people ever to practice cannibalism. So, um, but maybe the most well-known, I would think. Like, I feel like if most people thought of like a group that was cannibalizing people, they... Even if they didn't know that it was Kuru and they didn't know it was the four people, they would think of like, oh, yeah, I remember that group of people that, yeah. you know, all died of that terrible disease. <laughs> um, so the disease ended up being more prevalent among women and children because there was something about the men and the boys didn't want to eat certain types of tissue because it wasn't good for, like, strength in battle and things like that. Right. So they would stick more to the other parts where the women and the children were more likely to eat the brain, which is where most of the prions are. So they ended up being the primary ones that were infected. Yeah. Um, and they were also the ones that would clean the dead, and they may have had, like, open cuts or sores on their hands. So they just ended up being, like, a, major- a vast majority of the people that were infected. Yeah. Um, so it likely started when a villager developed sporadic um, – I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right – Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease, yes. which is another prion disease, which is – again, this is most like – Kuru is most likely – Kreutzfeldt-Jakob. Right, and they just, the four people just named it Kuru. Yeah, exactly. So when they ate the brain of that person, they caught the disease, and then it was spread to others. Um, So they came up with a four-word Kuria or Guria, which means to shake. So that's where the name Kuru came from. Um, Them practicing cannibalism stopped only in the 60s, due to the 1960s. Wow. Yeah, because they, people started to speculate that this was how this disease was being passed. Right. So, like, they didn't even stop because... We're eating dead people. They were just like, oh, fuck. Which, again, do not want to culture shame. I totally understand it's a very different thing. Yeah. There's a lot of cultures that do a lot of different things that we aren't comfortable with. And I know that a lot of that, like, even when you think of certain animals or insects that other some other cultures eat, that's only, like, wild to us because we've never done it. Right. I mean, some people in America obviously have. But mm-hmm. in general, we don't eat yeah, a lot of bugs, it is, we it don't is eat. not part part of our culture. Exactly. to eat maggots and humans. We don't typically eat like dogs. We don't eat. There's a lot of animals that we just don't yeah. eat. It's considered which taboo. It's kind of like that, you know, moral superiority of like, why is it necessarily like, oh, it's fine if we eat all these other animals, but like we draw the line at these. Exactly. It's kind of silly, but um, yeah. So of course, my reaction to this is more just that I couldn't imagine eating a person. Right. But if I had grown up as part of this tribe, that would just be you wouldn't know normal life. Different. So. Nothing wrong with it. It just is not anything I could imagine doing. Right. It's fucking wild. It's fucking wild. Um, but so, yeah, it stopped in the 1960s, but cases of Kuru were reported for many years after because of the long incubation period of the disease. Right. Um, the average is like 10 to 13 years. So. Wow. Long, long. Um, I think the shortest was something like maybe just a few years, five years, something like that. And then the periods of longer than 50 years have been reported. So it went from like 200 deaths per year in 1957 to one or no deaths in 2005. Wow. So just them stopping eating brains. Wait, 200 deaths a year? Yeah. That's insane. That's a lot of people. And like, I'm sure that try wasn't huge. I can't, I don't know. I should have figured that out, but I don't know how many people it was. But yeah, 200 a year. And then like basically none. Um, And so there's some debate whether the last known Kuru victim was either 2005 or 2009, but still somewhere around there. So there hasn't been a known victim of Kuru specifically mm. since 2009, at wow. least. Um, but yeah, that's a long time. Like to, I mean, I guess you'd hope that you're on the longer end of that. At yeah. least if you're going to get it, at least you have 50 years in between. Right. Pretty sweet, but. Uh, that's wild. 
So initially, the four people believed that Kuru was caused by sorcery or witchcraft or even ghosts, um, partly because of like the strange behavior and the shaking that came along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until 1957 that cannibalism was investigated by Daniel Carlton Gadge Dusek. Sure. Sure. Um, an American physician and medical researcher who was the co-recipient of the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine in 1976 for his work on Kuru. Um, he was actually, like, among him and somebody else were basically the first people to, like, have an isolated, like, case of Kuru being transmitted via eating tissue. Okay. So it was suspected that that's what it was, but they actually, they experimented with some monkeys, of course. Of course. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. Then, like, next step down from humans, um, but they did some research there having the monkeys eat some tissue that they knew was infected and then proved that it could be transmitted that way, which is also interesting to know that it could be transmitted between different species as well. Right. Um, which that, put a pin in that, because that'll come up several times. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. I don't have any examples of that, aside Ooh. from this. Um, yeah, so it was, at that point, it was finally shown with medical scientific data to be the cause of the spread of Kuru among the tribe, that it was not anything else. It wasn't being spread through the air or anything like that. It was like... You're eating this tissue, it's infected, you're going to get this disease. Right. So, at the time, they didn't really do much about it, but a few years later, the Australian administration banned cannibalism, and it was nearly eliminated by 1960. That's good. So, good thing, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the Kuru causes brain and nervous system changes similar to Kreutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Um, and symptoms are basically divided into three stages. Okay. So, the ambulance stage is the first stage. Because the individual is still able to walk around. Right. Which is great. Um, individuals may exhibit unsteady stance and gait, decreased muscle control, tremors, and difficulty pronouncing words. Wow. So that's not great, but of the stages, it's not so bad. Yeah. So that that's a, like a very common thing with prion diseases too, is just kind of like mm. loss of motor skills. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about the pathology of it, it's because there's these ice cream scoops being taken out of your brain, basically. Yeah. And so... The, the normal functioning of your brain is just slowly deteriorating over yeah. time. And you're just losing your ability. And it just progresses through, like, the stages. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Like, that's, again, those are, those can potentially be pretty minor, but I think it would suck to be in a community where this disease was going around because you'd kind of know when you started to have those symptoms, like, shit. Fuck, here we go. I've got this. Um, the sedentary stage is the second. So the individual is now incapable of walking without support. Um, impaired muscle coordination, and severe tremors. They also usually start to show signs of emotional instability and depression, despite uncontrolled and sporadic laughter. Oof. Which is why it's also known as the laughing sickness. That's what I've always known it as. It's just like the hysterical laughing. Yeah. Where you And you can't stop. I had like a second where I was like, I'm going to find a video of that. And then I was like, nope. Nope. There are certain things that you watch that will never leave your brain. Mm-hmm. And that I just imagining it is already bad enough. Yep. I think if I... I in the like the Wikipedia article or one of the articles, there was a picture of like a kid from the tribe that, but it was just a photo, and it was just him kind of being helped to stand. So it wasn't really that bad. But I was yeah. like, I don't want to see any videos if they yeah. exist, even. Because I just I just picture someone laughing hysterically, mm. but trying to stop, yeah, and not wanting to laugh hysterically. And so there's that combination of like laughing, but like being terrified at the same time. Yeah, I don't want to see that combination. That is a horrifying image to like think about. Like, what those, like, those person's eyes look like in yes. that moment. Like, oh, I don't want to. Nope. I just can't. So, 
Yeah. Um, and then the third and final stage, the terminal stage, they are generally no longer able to even sit without support. They develop difficulty swallowing, which can lead to malnutrition. Um, they may become incontinent, which if you don't know, having little or no control over your urination or your defecation or both. Um, they lose the ability or the will to speak and become unresponsive to their surroundings despite their consciousness. Wow. Um, the person often dies within three months to two years after the first terminal stage symptoms, often due to pneumonia or infection. So that's even worse that you could, I mean, even three months yeah. of that last terminal stage of just, oh yeah, you can't really do anything anymore. Imagine two years. Yeah. You're like, so Awful. you're like aware of your surroundings, but you just don't care yeah. or like you just don't have the ability to care. Or? Right. You can't really do much anymore. Honestly, it the disease reminds me a little bit of ALS. Yeah. In oh, the sense yeah. that you're essentially you have a slow progression or sometimes, a, I mean, relatively rapid progression, I guess, because usually people with ALS like show symptoms. And I think it's like within a few years, yeah. most people die from it. Um, but it's kind of it's a similar thing in the sense that you kind of are just losing your muscle control yeah. over time. And then, yeah, you get to the point. Um, I think, you know, my husband's grandfather's longtime partner yeah. had ALS and died a few years ago from it. And it was awful because it was just, she went from like totally normal to initially it was just kind of, you could tell she just needed like a little bit of help walking. She just wasn't totally balanced anymore. Yeah. And she kind of started at some point, like just her words would slur a little bit, but it wasn't really that noticeable. And then like it just progressed over the, you know, to the point where like then she couldn't walk anymore. She was in a wheelchair and then she couldn't talk at all. She had like an iPad that had a an app or something that she could use, like a program that she could use to yeah. communicate. And then... Again, eventually that that leads to not being able to swallow, so she had to have a feeding tube. Yeah. And then for a lot of people, either they become malnourished from that, depending on what their treatment is, or for some people they just end up not, they just can't breathe anymore. Yeah. Like, so yeah, it's a terrible fucking disease. But this reading about these symptoms reminded me of that because it's just kind of, over time you're just losing your ability to do everything. Yeah. Um, Damn. So yeah, no known treatment to any prion diseases currently, yep. which is awful. Um, so we talked about a little bit what it is, what prion diseases are. Um, I also wanted to mention the three ways that you can uh, get a prion disease, mm -hmm. which is the scariest part of all. Here we go. Um, so, okay. So thankfully, I guess I'll save this nice part for the last because this is going to scare you. Yes. But then I'll, I'll save this nice little fact for the last thing. Okay, that's good. Um, so three different ways are, one of them is acquired. Mm-hmm. This is, obviously, you get exposed to the prions and you become infected from something. This is the least common way of getting a prion disease. Um, for example, everybody knows about mad cow disease. Yes. That was transmitted through contaminated beef. Mm -hmm. um, and there have even been cases of people getting prion diseases. You were talking about this before, scaring the shit out of me. Yep. About contaminated surgical instruments. Yep. There was a few cases at uh, Maine Medical Center. Yep. Do you remember what year that was? It was 2016. Oh, shit. So someone at Maine Medical Center had Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease Yikes. and had some sort of brain surgery, and they did not properly sterilize the equipment between surgeries, Jesus. and then potentially four different people developed Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease because they then had surgery and were exposed to the contaminated uh, surgical instruments. Damn. Right and again, that's, that's worse than a lot of other diseases because, like we said, those people might just know now mm -hmm. that they were exposed, might not have any symptoms, right. but they know that at some point they will probably start yeah. 
developing symptoms of that. Oh, that's that terrible. would not not be a way to live. No. Um, just the knowing that it's coming. Oh yeah. At least there's so you know you can test for like the breast cancer gene. Yeah. And you could know that you have a higher chance, but like that's still not telling you like yeah you're gonna get it. Yeah. At some point. But knowing like yes you were exposed to this disease. I would imagine there's probably a low, low chance that you wouldn't develop it. Right. So you just kind of know, like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll die before this hit, hits me, or maybe in two yeah. months I'm going to start. Ugh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, there's been even cases linked to, like, hum, human growth hormone supplements um, or transplants of dura matter, which is a tissue surrounding the brain. Yeah. So, again, that's the least likely, but possible. Um, genetic. So... Not to be confused with inherited or familial. Genetic is just referring to a change in the person's DNA, which causes changes in the proteins their cells produce. So this was a little bit above my head, a tiny bit. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Myself included. Not a doctor. Right. Um, so everyone has a gene called PRNP, which codes for the protein called PRP. Okay. And most of the time, this protein is perfectly healthy. Right. Some people have mutations in the DNA of their PRNP gene. Yes. Which causes it to produce mutant forms of PRP. Okay. So these don't form prions instantly, and most of these people live healthy lives for decades, but as they get older, the mutant forms of PRP are more and more likely to fold up the wrong way and form these dangerous prions. Right. So, again, not to be confused with inherited or, like, you think of genetic, you think of, like, passed on from your family members. Right. Um, every DNA mutation has to start somewhere. So some people with genetic prion disease are the first in their family to have it. Right. Um. But 60% of genetic prion disease patients have no family history of the right. disease. So that could be, yeah, because when I heard genetic, I was like, oh, no. Right. But that, you know, you could just be the first. Great. Jesus. And then sporadic, meaning we don't know why they happen. Right. They just do. Great. Um, some think that sporadic prion diseases happen when one prion protein just misfolds by chance and then it spreads. Mm -hmm. Others think it may start with one cell that has a spontaneous DNA mutation and starts producing mutant PRP. Sporadic is the most common way to get prion diseases. Okay. Um, yeah, estimated that human prion disease cases are 85% sporadic. Wow. 15% genetic, which, again, still, like, the genetic still is kind of sporadic. Yeah. In the sense that it's just a mutation, like, you don't have any risk factors, and then less than 1% acquired. Wow. So, again, if you're worried about getting it from somewhere, you're not very likely, because that's less than 1% of all prion diseases are acquired, and the happy fact here, if there can be a happy fact in this entire episode, um, prion diseases are exceedingly rare. They affect only about one person per million worldwide. And about 350 new cases are reported annually in the United States, which includes all prion diseases. Damn. So, 350. I mean, that still sounds like a lot to me. Yes. But of all the people in the United States, 350 it's not super, a year. You're way more likely to just like get hit by a car. Yeah. Or slip in your bathtub and snap your neck. Yeah. So that means of 350 people, if we'll say less than 1%, so that means less than three and a half people yeah. acquired that from somewhere. Right. But most of those people just got it. Look at the draw. Which is yeah. almost worse. Your proteins were just like, ah. There's literally nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. So, yeah, that's Kuru. That's Kuru. Yeah, terrifying. So I have, so this is fatal insomnia, mm. which this has been something that I've been fascinated by since, like, Sounds middle school. awful just from the name. Yes. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it is exactly what it sounds like. It is insomnia that progresses to the f the point where you can no longer sleep and you die from it. Oh, God. So it was first recorded in 1765 
in Italy. Wow. I'm sure it's been happening for way longer than then. Mm. Um, I didn't see any cases of it being acquired. Okay. I only saw that it was <clears throat> either inherited or sporadic. So there's fatal insomnia, which is sporadic, or there's fatal familial insomnia, which is passed on genetically from family to family. Jeez. There's about 40 families worldwide that carry the fatal familial insomnia gene. Whoa. So, yeah. So somebody out there knows that they have this or knows that they have the ability to get this. Jesus. So I, I kept seeing that there's there's no... They had, like, some case studies, but they didn't really have names mm. because I'm assuming that they're trying to, like, protect the people who may or may not have it. Oh, yeah. Um, you don't want to marry one of those people. No. Or at least you don't want to reproduce. Right. Marry them, sure. sure. Well, I mean, well, then they're going to have it. It's fucked. It's fucked. But definitely don't have kids. So it progresses in four stages. Prion disease generally are just, like, a stages. Like, mm. it starts, and then it gets just worse. Yeah. All right. So stage one, you have increasing insomnia, panic attacks, paranoia, and developed phobias. Um, so this stage lasts for about four months. Uh, fatal familial insomnia can present anywhere between the ages of 16 and 60 years old. So you could be 55, Great. you've lived your whole life, you've never had any medical problems, and all of a sudden you start getting insomnia, progresses, you die. Jesus. So the um, initial stage lasts for about four months. Then stage two, um, hallucinations and panic attacks start to increase. Great. So it's basically just characterized by like, your insomnia starts to just destabilize your whole mental state. Um, I mean, like, when you think about the function of what sleep does for us, you start to think, like, you know, you're sleeping, your brain is cleaning up, um, you know, cleaning up the bits of itself that are, like, I don't know, like, like strands of DNA that are just around there like basically like mm. cleaning up all the garbage in your brain it's folding up all the nice shirts yeah folding up all the nice shirts yeah. and like just doing like just general housekeeping yeah. while you're sleeping so when your brain isn't able to do that it's basically just going to wreak havoc in all parts of your brain um, stage three is the complete inability to sleep you literally stop sleeping 100 percent. you can terrible. lay down with your eyes closed um, you can take sleeping pills barbiturates they try to medically induce comas to give your brain a chance to sleep. Whoa. The brain is never able to completely shut off. Wow. No matter what. Um, and in, in, in fact, using barbiturates and sleeping pills actually hastens the symptoms. Oh. It speeds up the process. Dang. Has the complete opposite effect that you would want it to have. No. Which is interesting. This is terrible. This is so, so much worse than mine. The stage three, where you have the complete inability to sleep, is also characterized by rapid weight loss, which is kind of a, a common thing with prion diseases is mm. weight loss. Mm -hmm. um, so the stage three lasts for about three months. Three months Jeez. of not being able to no sleep. No sleep at all. It's fucking terrible. Um, then stage four is sort of like end stage fatal familial insomnia characterized by dementia. The patient becomes unresponsive and mute and basically is more or less in a coma, but their brain activity is still... Normal. Jeez. Not not like normal, but it's still like very like active. Like the brain yeah. is not shut down. It's just the body is shut down. That's awful. Um, and this can last for six months. Oh my God. So you're just laying, not asleep, not awake for six months. So that, that means roughly nine months to a year of no sleep. 
before yeah. you finally die. Oh my god. Um, so the 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 sort of mindset that you're in during the non-sleeping periods is you're essentially in pre-sleep limbo. Mm. You know, when like you're falling asleep, um, right before you're finally like unconscious and fully asleep, you start to have like the the uh, the jerks and like you'll that's when oh, you like yeah. might like wake up really fast because you feel like you're falling. Mm-hmm. So that pre-sleep limbo is your whole state of existence. Oh my god! When fatal familial insomnia kicks in, Jesus. And um, so there will be like muscle spasms, hallucinations. You're essentially like, I I have night terrors mm. where I like wake up like just last night I woke up and I thought that um, there was a giant weed whacker in the room. Oh great! Which it wasn't like super scary. Like that's that's right. a whole other story. But like that whole idea, it always happens when I'm like in like between when I like close my eyes and I like am not conscious anymore, but before yeah. I'm fully asleep. Yeah. That's when I have a lot of my night, night terrors. So it would be like me being stuck in that frame of mind for a year like straight. Trust me, I know you have night terrors. <laughs> I, I lived with you a while when we were children. Yes, and I would wake up screaming. Yeah, I remember there's one in particular time, and I know I've told you this, but now the whole world gets to know. We, When we were growing up, we lived in a house where, like, our bedrooms were right, like, across a hall. Like, you'd come up the stairs, and it was, like, mine on the left and Gray's on the right. Yeah. And so his bedroom was pretty close. I remember one night being asleep and then being woken up because Gray was screaming like bloody murder. Like I've never yeah. heard a more terrified shriek. I don't remember how old you were at the time. You must have been, I don't even know, like eight or yeah. something, like seven or eight. Right. But I remember like jumping out of bed and I remember like mom running upstairs because we were just like, holy shit. Like I, I in that, you know, like when you wake up like that, you don't know what's going on. But like my first thought was just like Gray has to be being murdered. Right. Like there's just no other explanation. And yeah, you had just had a night terror. Mm-hmm. And you just, but you woke up like, like I can hear it yeah. in my head still. Like just this awful scream Jesus. of just like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it happens a lot. Like several, <laughs> like several times. I know. My <laughs> fiance puts up with a lot. Yeah. So like, I'll wake up and I'll not even wake up. I will be in this pre-sleep limbo and yeah. I'll see like, usually it's relatively benign. Like I'll see like, I think like our cat is like way up, like in a weird spot, like <laughs> close to the ceiling or something. Or That's like. Awesome. Like, so I'll see an object and my brain morphs it into something that it's not. Mm. So I can imagine that's what it means by hallucinations. It's like yeah. you're, you're quote unquote awake, but your brain is misinterpreting information that it's getting and just sort of like you're having night terrors, but you're awake, Jesus. which is why there'd be panic attacks, paranoia, phobias, like yeah. that all, that all totally jives. Oh yeah. I can only imagine. Like imagine how much longer, like. I, I don't think I've ever had, thankfully, and I don't really want to even say this to jinx it. I'm going to, mm-hmm. like, have to knock on this table after. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever had an entire night where I couldn't sleep. Right. Like, I can't even imagine. I've definitely had times where it was harder to get to sleep. Mm-hmm. I am pregnant right now, and that's one of the symptoms of pregnancy is a little bit of insomnia. Yeah. Some people get it worse when it's, like, later on. But just there are nights where I wake up to go pee or something, and I just I go back to bed, and my body's just like, nope. Yep. Like, we're awake, and I'm like, dude, why? Right. You used to just be able to, like, I'd lay down and just pass right back out. Right. But now I just kind of lay there for a while, like, just need to go to sleep. Yeah. But even that only lasts for, you know, maybe, I think the one night, like, the longest was, like, an hour. Yeah. That I was just laying there awake, and I was just kind of bored, like, ugh. Mm-hmm. But, but then you fall asleep. Then you fall asleep. And so imagine, I would imagine that being awake all day and then all night mm-hmm. would just essentially make your life feel so much longer. Oh, Because yeah. you normally have, like, eight hours, ten hours, whatever. Mm-hmm. To be asleep, and so you just, you know, as you know, you fall asleep, you wake up, it doesn't feel like that long, so it's right. just gone. But if you're awake for all that time, yeah. and you're wanting to sleep. awake all day, and then you lay in bed, awake all night, and yeah. then you 
are awake all day, then you lay in bed awake all night, yeah. and then you're awake. Like, I just, I can't imagine what that no, would feel like. No, because you'd feel miserable. So it's like, you know, that whole, that fantasy of like, oh, what would you do with your life if you didn't have to sleep? Yeah. In that fantasy, you're, of course, not going insane. Right. While you do it, you just are capable of just being up all the time. You never need right. sleep. But this would not be that, because you, I mean, it. after one night of that, you'd feel like shit. Right. And then it would just, you'd never have, like, usually when that happens, or if somebody has to pull an all-nighter, or they're up all night for some reason. Like, I've definitely been up all night doing things, mm-hmm. but I've never been up all night, like, wanting desperately to sleep. Right. So you just, and usually when that happens, you have an all-nighter, you have a few nights where you're like, oh, I just couldn't, mm-hmm. didn't get to sleep. I only slept for a couple hours. But then you usually have a chunk of time where you, like, catch recoup. Yeah, yeah, you catch up from that. And that's usually when people, you know, sleep for 15 hours or something because your right. your brain needs it. Your brain has to clean up all that, those loose ends. Yeah. So knock on wood. <laughs> I shouldn't brag about my, you know, lack of experience with insomnia because right. I'm going to get struck. Right. You, you're between 16 and 60. Fuck. You could sporadically get fatal familial insomnia. No. Um, so other symptoms that happen while all of this is going on. Mm. You have pinpoint pupils. Wow. Women can go into sudden menopause, no matter what age they are. Great. Um, men experience impotence, and men and women both experience constipation. So huh. it's just kind of like your whole body just kind of like... So you can't sleep or poop? Shuts down. Yeah, you can't shit. You can't have sex. What the You hell? just all of a sudden have menopause, and you can't sleep, and you're having panic attacks. And Miserable. Like, I just can't imagine. Um, so, okay, so, so some famous cases. So this guy... Mike Cork, he was a music teacher. Mm. Um, on his 40th birthday in 1991, not on his birthday, he was experiencing insomnia a little bit before this, but he he uses his birthday in 1991 as sort of like the be- the beginning stages of when he started to really notice that insomnia was becoming more and more of a thing. Dang. So he's 40 years old. He turns 40 in 1991, yeah. and he starts to get insomnia. Um, and basically... He started to progress through the four stages. Um, he tried to use sedatives to induce a coma, or the doctors tried to use sedatives to induce a coma. Yeah. Um, but his brain never fully shut down. They, it was never gave, like, sleep patterns or anything, or even just no pattern. It was always, always going on. God. Um, and he died in 1993. Wow. So he noticed symptoms in 1991 and was dead by 1993. Jesus. And when he died, he had not slept for six months. Oh, my God. So just a regular old fucking music teacher, and then all of a sudden, yeah. bam. Bam. Um, slightly more positive case. So this other unnamed patient, um, 2001, mm. was diagnosed with uh, fatal insomnia. He really tried to fight it. Um, so he used vitamin therapy and um, meditation mm. to try to calm his brain waves and sort of give himself some sense of sleep. Um, so at night, he would go into a sensory deprivation tank and would meditate. So he wanted to give his body, like, the most ability to just, like, rest. Yeah. While he may not be asleep, his brain was at least, like, resting to some extent. Mm. And then when he woke up, he would use stimulants like caffeine um, to kind of, like, mimic a circadian rhythm. Hmm. So his brain would get these stimulants and would feel more awake while it was daytime. And then he would go into the sensory deprivation tank and meditate to give his brain the sense of, like, sleeping. So he was trying to give himself some sort of rhythm. He was able to extend the the period that he had fatal fatal familial insomnia by a year. So between vitamins and that artificial circadian rhythm, he was able to give himself an extra year. That's pretty Um, intense. During this time, he drove hundreds of miles and wrote a book. 
Wow. He was like speaking and like giving speeches because the whole there's this thing called the Prion Alliance mm. that speaks about prion diseases. So he wow. was kind of like a motivational speaker. Um, but That's ultimately intense. he progressed through the four stages of fatal familial insomnia and died. Damn. So even him, who was doing like the most the most you could do, yeah. couldn't fucking fight it. Damn, couldn't fight it. So yeah. That's, how, does, how does one get a sensory deprivation chamber? Right. Just have one in his house? Joe Rogan has one. Does he really? Yeah. He's so fucking weird. He smokes weed and lays in it. That's awesome. Classic. I've actually never, I like, I'm a little freaked out by them. Yeah. I think I'd want to do one because we have uh, at least one place in Portland. Yeah. Um, that place like Float Harder. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? I think so. Um. And it sounds really interesting. Yeah. I also have a little bit of a fear of water, but mm-hmm. I know that water is like so salted up or whatever that you can't yeah, you float yeah you just float in it which sounds really cool they all float yeah that <laughs> that was the time when i we were like driving were you with me when we were driving to go see it and yeah. we saw that like the suv for that place and it like i all i saw initially was just it said float in big words and i yeah. was like no oh god yeah what the hell um so it sounds cool but also <laughs> there was like that episode of family guy when like Peter and Brian both went into sensory deprivation chambers and it was like they like basically closed the door and like instantly they were just like screaming because they had like started to freak out and like hallucinate. Yeah. Yeah. There's this this book by this guy, John C. Lilly, who used to take LSD mm. in the nineteen sixties and then he would go in to a sensory deprivation tank oh, yeah. and like explore his brain. Yeah. It's pretty intense stuff. Pretty intense. I'm I not, don't know if I can handle it. I'm not totally convinced I want to explore my brain. Right. Especially Maybe I should, but Yeah. I don't know. It sounds like it might be a dark place. Dark place. I don't know if I want to go all the way in there. Um, so I, I, I kind of alluded to this when you talked about um, like interspecies oh, yeah. prion disease jumps. Yeah. So, okay. Mad cow disease. Mm. The human form is Creutzfeldt-Jakob's disease or okay. Creutzfeldt-Jakob's disease. I don't even know which yeah. one it is. Right. Who knows? So mine just sounds cooler. So that was originally affected cattle. Mm-hmm. But because so many cattle were infected with this, I think it originated in England in the yeah. 1990s. So, so many cattle were affected by it that it made its way into the human food supply. And so humans de- started to develop it. Awful. I think like 130 or I, I, for some reason that number sticking out, but a, yeah. hundred, hundreds of people died. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a ton, but yeah, it was like at least a couple hundred maybe. Yeah. It just died of it. So it, it, it went from cows to humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so currently, right now in the United States, this is like as of February or March 2019. I'm not going to like this. No. Whatever this is, I'm not going to like it. So there's another prion disease. It's no. called chronic wasting disease. Oh, that's right. So yeah. this affects ungulates. So elk, deer, moose. Um, hmm. It's characterized by rapid weight loss, loss of motor skills, tremors, um, and basically like it's similar to Kuru in that it's just basically – Animals stop being able to control their motors, motor functions, mm. and they end up starving to death and dying. Terrible. Um, so there's been a huge spike in chronic wasting disease reports in the southern Midwest, so like northern Texas, mm. that kind of area, like the middle of the country. There's been a huge spike in reports in that part of the country. Mm-hmm. There's also been a spike in South Korea and um, Sweden or some Scandinavian country as well. Mm. Um, so this chronic wasting disease is kind of like ravaging the deer and elk populations in these places. Damn. So some people from the CDC have said that because there's this huge uptick in these animals having chronic wasting disease, 
they're obviously animals that humans hunt a lot and mm. eat a lot of venison. Yeah. It's very possible that humans right now are being exposed to chronic wasting disease. And in the next five to 10 years, because prion diseases have a long incubation period, we could see human forms of chronic wasting disease that have never been reported before. Oh, damn. In very similar to um, mad cow disease. Yeah. How it would jump from one animal to another. That's terrifying. Because so many humans are being exposed to it. Right. Which makes me really glad that I don't eat deer. Yes. That's well, why I'm glad I'm a vegetarian. It's a tough thing, too, because, yeah, I was reading a little bit. That was chronic wasting disease was mentioned in what I was reading about prion diseases. And, yeah, it was saying that typically, like, those prions mostly are in the brain. Mm-hmm. But, like, they can also be, I think, like, it even mentioned, like, in the tonsils, in the spinal cord. Yeah. Like, there's a few other parts. So some of it is not even, and, like, in the eyeballs. And, like, yeah. there are people, you know, I'm not really sure. Maybe people eat deer eyeballs. But, like, I know there are people who eat eyeballs yeah. of animals. The thing. Um, so you would think, like, oh, as long as I just stay away from the brain. Right. Which, I mean, again, people eat animal brains, too. It's not. I, I imagine two people make sausage. Right. So you take, like, all the organ meat and just, yeah. like, grind it up in there. I don't know if brains are part of that. Prion sausage? Ugh. No. It's terrible. It's terrible. But ultimately, it's like, unless you were super careful, like, you could easily get some of that other tissue mm-hmm. onto the meat and eat it. You oh, know, yeah. you'd have to be, and who would be that careful? I mean, unless you knew that there was, and I, I mean, if I knew that was going around, I just wouldn't eat deer okay. at all. There's just no way. But, like, but, with the long incubation period. Right. This deer could be showing no signs of chronic because when you look up a picture of a deer that has chronic wasting disease you can mm. tell they're like super skinny and they're like yeah. head they like keep their head down and like their shit it's super sad super sad but like that's like the advanced progression of it yeah. like a deer could look perfectly healthy and act perfectly healthy but be exactly. infected with it so you right. could shoot a seemingly healthy deer grind it up into some sausage and all of a sudden you have prion disease yeah well which is just like the people that were transmitting kuru like a lot of those people that we're spreading it along, like, probably some of those people maybe died from the disease, but probably I would imagine that a decent amount of those people didn't die from the disease and maybe died for other reasons, but they had already eaten the body or the brain of somebody who had it, and so they had it, and then they passed, like, probably a lot of those people passed it along. They didn't even know what they were eating, somebody that was sick. Yeah. So, yeah, that's terrifying. And yeah, again, long incubation period means that, like, I if I was hearing that right now and mm-hmm. if I was somebody who hunted and ate deer... Yeah. I'd be terrified. Oh, yeah. If I was in that area and I had known, like, oh, shit, I've I been eating deer, deer the past year. few years. Because mm-hmm. you just wouldn't, you just aren't going to know. For the next five to ten years. Ugh, it's man. terrible. It's terrible. So, yeah, so prion diseases are yeah. terrifying, interesting, like, just, like, fatal insomnia and kuru. Like, they're very, like, weird, interesting sort of, like, presentations of a disease. Like, yeah. fatal insomnia just seems like a really specific way that a disease can affect a human yeah um yeah it's wild it's awful yeah so this has been one of my scariest things in my life right knowing these diseases exist and that again all you need to get it is just misfolded protein yeah it's wild yeah or you go and get surgery at main med and all of a sudden you have creutzfeldt jakob disease great yeah that's great yeah it's not scary at all so Brown diseases. Yeah. Good times. It's a good episode. Yeah. So if anybody knows any more about these or has any corrections for us. I'm sure there's going to be some. things that we said or ways we pronounced words. Yeah. Let us know. Please let us know. Um, But otherwise, yeah. Look into them. There's a few more cool ones. Yeah. I shouldn't say cool. But cool in the sense, it's just fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. They're Very interesting. Yeah. Intellectually I fascinating. I love medical stuff. Mm-hmm. So much. As much as it's scary, I really love it. Right. But yeah, it's not not cool because it's 
really sad, but yeah. cool because science is amazing. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. So episode 23. 23. A noble. A noble. Prion diseases. Yep. Um, stay tuned for these next three episodes. Yeah. Where we're going to be talking about Skinwalker Ranch. It's going to be intense. Yeah. Yeah. Three part. First time we've ever done multi-part episodes is Skinwalker Ranch because it needs it. Oh, yeah. It needs a lot of time. We would not do it justice with just an hour. No. Um, so stay tuned for that. If you don't know anything about it, don't read about it. Right. Learn it from us. Yes. If you already do know about it, you're probably pumped. Yes. Because it's super cool. It's great. We know a lot about it already and we're pumped to talk about it. Right. This so. is going to be something foundational that we're going to talk about a lot. Yeah. That we've already been referencing yes. a million times, not even on purpose. Right. You would think, oh, we picked topics that would hint at it all mm-hmm. this whole time. But no, nope. no. Everything just comes back to Skinwalker Ranch. Everything. So yeah. Yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. Check us out. Go find us on Patreon. Yes. We got six patrons so far. Yep. We love all six of you. Thank you. We are still doing limited edition Mothman block prints, handmade by Gray. Yep. And so those are going to the first 25 patrons. Yep. And then once 20, we hit 25, it's done. They're gone. Gone. So get on it. Please. I don't mean that forcefully. I just mean it like don't miss out. Don't miss. But we love Go you. Go now. Go now and do it, but we love you. Yeah. All right. So episode 23. Unknowable. 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 Love you.